It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to the State of Recruiting, your weekly Horns 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach. I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. We'd like to remind you that you can find us on any podcast platform of your choice, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, or any other major podcast venue. We'd also like to ask you to please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Uh, Five-star reviews on iTunes get answered automatically in our mailbags of the week. Uh, We want to also point you to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 network, the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and the uh, Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Um, So before we get into today's show, Nick, it's, uh, it's been a couple weeks, but we are back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've definitely been to a lot of games since then and seen a lot of football, so I'm excited to get into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure we're going to recap it all. I might just do last week, but uh, it's been it's been a couple of, of wild weeks, I think, for the both of us. Um, I've I've been dealing with some stuff, you know, here. It took took some days off, which which ran the the first uh, the, the second. Or I guess last week's podcast. Uh, ran it through so we couldn't couldn't get it in nick's been traveling so he's gonna tell you all about that so um we appreciate all the questions everybody asking but we are back and uh we're not going anywhere we just sometimes uh sometimes can't fit it all in and and have to take a week off or two um let's jump right in uh with uh with kind of what's going on in in recruiting right now i think um i think the biggest news for texas is the upcoming decision of Terrence Cooks, the Shadow Creek linebacker. Um, that'll be happening Saturday uh, about 3 o'clock. Nick is supposed to be there for live coverage um, as he is uh, headed to Houston for this weekend. And, um, I, you know, I, I wrote something last night, but I think Texas is in a really good position here. Yeah, I believe so, too. Um, you know, this is a kid that um, Coleman Hutzler came in uh, kind of almost month one on the job as a linebackers coach uh, for Texas and prioritized Terrence and um, got him on campus uh, back in January when, whenever they were able to do visits for this 21 cycle. Um, I believe that was for the elite day experience. And, you know, coming out of that visit, uh, we always felt, you know, Texas was in a pretty good spot. Obviously a couple of schools came along along the way, like LSU really put up a, has put up a pretty good fight uh, Baylor as well. And, uh, you know, there's definitely schools to keep an eye on moving forward, but I, I definitely like where Texas sits for sure. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think you mentioned really the the relationship aspect from Coleman Hutzler's has been huge. I think that anytime you talk to Terrence or somebody in his family, that's the first thing that comes up. And so much so that when I saw Terrence uh, 
a little while ago. I asked him, you know, is that still the case? Is there anybody that's that's close? And and he he said, no, there's not really any coach that's come close to what Coleman Hutzler has, has done for the family as far as establishing that relationship and being somebody they can lean on and trust. So I think that's huge. I think the education aspect is a huge part of it. Uh, Terrence's mom is an educator. She's an administrator. Uh, she's a professor. She cares a lot about academics. So um, I think that Texas kind of checks all of those boxes. And though there have been some times where certainly it looked like maybe Texas would would fumble this one, this has really felt like their race to lose since since that uh, it was it was actually late January. I looked it up today. It was January 30th. Uh, that we, I think 29th or 30th that we were down there in Austin. So um, for almost a year, this one has looked like Texas race. So uh, I think that that it will be good news on, on Saturday for Texas. They are going to face off against a, a final four of Baylor, LSU and Georgia. I think LSU made an interesting push in the summer, but it was never uh, something that was sustained that long. I actually think Baylor's probably the chief competition here. Nick, as you cover Baylor uh, at times, um, what can you speak to on that side? Yeah, Terrence's appeal to Baylor is just uh, a lot of the t- coaches from the LSU team last year, especially on the defensive staff, are now at Baylor, especially with Dave Aranda, head coach. And they were able to give him a pitch like, hey, you know, that that's defense that you saw last year. We're about to build that into, you know, what, what we can make of it this year uh, in, in the next couple of years here in Waco. Um, and he, he definitely uh, drew an appeal off that. Um, and I believe he uh, he visited the campus a couple of times on his own. Uh, he obviously has Kyron Drones, who is the uh, quarterback for Shadow Creek, um, that is committed to Baylor. So he's been in his ear as well. Uh, there was a lot of things that, you know, Baylor kind of checked boxes for, especially that education as well. Um, but I think uh, going down the stretch, the, the thing that made the difference for Texas is obviously the relationship with Coleman Hutzler. I don't believe that uh, Terrence was necessarily able to build a connection with a coach like he has with him. Yeah, and I think I think if it's like I said, if it's up to me, it's probably comes down to those two. So, uh, knowing what we know, I I think my pick's been on Texas for um, I don't know I, I I can't remember when I put it in, but it was sometime in the spring, so it's been on there for a while. And I think Nick's has has been there as well. So um, I think we'll we'll be leaving them there unless something uh, some emergency something pops up. Um, there's also been a couple new offers out this week, um, uh, two in-state offers that, that really stick out. Uh, Remington Strickland, an offensive lineman from Fort Bend Christian, was offered today. This is Thursday as we're recording this. And I think he's a, um, you know, he's a, a versatile interior guy, guard, center guard guy, uh, probably not a tackle body, but a guy who I I think I've the stuff I've seen on him, he's pretty narrow game and um, you know, I think Oklahoma recently offered him as well. So he's starting to gather some big attention following, a, you know, a pretty good senior year. Um, I think that this is just Texas looking around and seeing what's there for, for bodies on the offensive line um, and to see if they can get something there. Uh, Nick, I don't know how much you've looked into Strickland since the offer came down just before we recorded, but do you have anything to add on him? Yeah, I'd actually not heard of the kid until uh, Texas had offered, but, you know, I've been doing my research this morning, and he's definitely a late riser in the 21 class. Uh, You know, I like what he has to offer. He definitely comes from an interesting program down there, uh, an interesting little private school down in the Fort Bend area. But, um, you know, this is a kid that that Texas likes late in the 21 cycle. Uh, It it seems that they even have some competition for, you know, other schools that like him at this point. I think Michigan is heavily involved as well as Oklahoma. Um, So, yeah, this is definitely a kid who's a late riser in here in this 21 class. All right. Um, 
I think uh, the other kid that, that really popped out is one that I probably knew less about and you knew more about. Uh, that's Brian Rutter, receiver Keith Ron Lee, who, who was off yesterday. I watched some of him, and, and I really like kind of the way he tracks the ball and plays the ball. What do you know about him, Nick? Yeah, Keith Ron has been lighting it up for uh, Brian Rutter this year, obviously out of Aggie country. Uh, but he's a former UTSA commit. Um, I was actually put onto him about week one or week two, and I was told, hey, look out for this kid. This kid could really blow up this year. You know, I've been kind of keeping up my eye on him since. He's been putting up some crazy stats. I believe he had a game earlier in the year uh, where he had like 20 receptions for 350 yards or something like that. Um, and so this, this kid can definitely put up the numbers, um, and obviously a lot of the big-name programs are starting to get involved now. And I like this as a late ad for Texas if they're able to pull this one off. Um, I like this as a late ad to the class. Uh, you know, I think this is a kid that can come in and develop year one and then possibly turn into a pretty pretty good stud for uh, for the Longhorns moving forward. Uh, but it looks like there's going to be quite a bit of competition as a lot of schools are starting to get involved. Uh, but we'll have an article up on Keith Ron next week as well. So we're right at that point in the senior season where coaches are watching that midseason film and catching the first half of games. And um, it comes a little later this year because football season started a little later this year. But um, I think that's why you're seeing the influx of offers. One other guy I expect to be offered in the next couple of days is probably Parish Episcopal offensive lineman Austin Uke. Um, I think Nick will be able to see him this week so he could talk a little bit more about him uh, maybe on next week's show. Um, Nick, before we, we move on to our second segment, it was signing day yesterday uh, for basketball, baseball, basically all non-football sports. Um, Texas basketball signed, uh, well, from what I understand, they were set to sign four of their commits. Um, did that happen? Yes, it did. They were able to sign all four of their commits. Uh, pretty good class overall for Texas. Obviously, the big, uh, the big piece, the big prize of the uh, – of the class that they were trying to land all along was Damian Collins. But, you know, even though that they missed out on Collins uh, to Kentucky, they are still able to build a really solid class with these four guys. You know, I believe all four of these guys are guys that can come in and be four-year contributors. Um, some of them even four-year starters. Uh, you know, these, these are some solid, solid, uh, solid kids. I really like David Joplin. He's a stretch four power forward uh, out of the Milwaukee area in Wisconsin. Uh, he's a kid that can play one through four or guard one through four. Um, he can shoot from outside. He can shoot with a hand in his face. And uh, whenever he needs to get busy inside and grab a rebound, you know, in, uh, in crunch time, uh, he's a kid that can do it. He has a contagious personality. You know, I think this is a kid that's really going to fit well into this Longhorn program and, uh, you know, kind of stick out as one of the big personalities of the team. And then obviously Tamar Bates from the IMG Academy, uh, good left up spot shooter, but he can also attack the rim. Um, he's a he's a kid I really like in this class. I think it's uh, uh, one of the better guards in this class as well. And I think he fits the Texas system completely because uh, he can prioritize defensive technique as well. That kind of fits the mold of a combo guard uh, that Shaka Smart has been able to do here in Austin in recent years. So I think these are all really good system guys, and they can end up contributing to possibly a Big 12 title down the, down the line. Um, I guess I would ask, are they done um, with this year's class? Is there a chance they add any more guys like in the, in the interim? I don't really know. I know basketball also signs in February. This is just kind of the early, but um, is there a chance they add somebody else? Yeah, I, I think there's certainly a chance. Um, the numbers were already going to be kind of questionable. And then uh, the, uh, the granted waiver um, for eligibility this year in the NCAA for spring sports, that's also going to make the numbers even more weirder. Uh, for basketball this year, um, but I could I could see possibly 
uh, one or two more spots becoming open, but I could also very well see no more spots coming open in this, you know, wrapping up the 2021 class. It's all just going to kind of depend on, um, you know, who kind of uh, um, breaks out of the pack this year for Texas, who looks like they're going to get drafted. Uh, who looks like they're going to move on. And even at that point, they might look into the transfer market or the JUCO market for, you know, any extra spots. So uh, we'll definitely see moving forward, uh, but I could very well see these four guys being the four to wrap it up. All right. Um, well, that's going to do it for that. So keep with Nick. He did a great job with uh, that signing day coverage and keeping our readers uh, informed on that. Before we move on to our next uh, segment, I want to mention it's i guess it's it's a big piece of news on our on our site and only our site uh bobby burton our creator founder all those things is moving on and moving away from horns 24 7 uh bobby was a has been a big part of my life and my professional career uh doing this and and was a great mentor to me and so um I think uh, there's an open mic episode I did during quarantine with bobby where we just kind of talked about founding the um you know, the recruiting business and the way he did. And I think that he blazed a trail that um, we're all fortunate for because none of us would be here if he didn't. And, um, you know, I have one of the best jobs in the world because of him. And, and he's been he's been an incredible mentor, an incredible person. So I'm really excited to see what he has going on next in his life and really happy for him to move on. But uh did want to, to stop and just say a word about Bobby and, and, and how much we'll miss him here at Horn 24-7. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't even really been on Horns 24-7 uh, for more than a year, but uh, Bobby has definitely served as a mentor to everybody on the site, and you know he gave both of us this opportunity to be on the site. So uh, thanks for everything, Bobby, and uh, we hope you uh, – uh, we, we wish you great, great luck in your future endeavors. All right, let's move on to our high school segment. Uh, Nick, we are going to – before we um, – get into picks. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, who we saw last week. So uh, what did your lineup look like last week? Last week I was only at one game, but I think it was a, you know, a pretty important one for uh, Texas recruiting fans. I went out to Colorado and I saw uh, Cherry Creek against uh, Arapaho. Uh, Cherry Creek is the number one team um, in 5A in Colorado. They're home to uh, 2021 commit Gunnar Helm at tight end, uh, 2021 target um, Arden Walker at defensive end, and 2022 target at uh, offensive tackle, George Fitzpatrick. I was able to see all three of them in action. Um, you know, I really like Gunnar Helm. Um, he's pretty versatile uh, as a tight end. Uh, they can throw him down in blocking situations, but he can also get out in the slot and line up out wide. Uh, and he's a really good route runner. I think he's going to be a guy that can really stretch the field uh, uh, for Texas. And ironically enough, um, you know, comparing him to a kid from Texas, I think it would probably be, uh, you know, former commit Landon King. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. Um, Gunnar Helm is obviously a former receiver just as King. So, uh, you know, these are guys that are, you know, first bred receivers and then, you know, have learned to block over time. Um, Arden Walker, uh, you know, I kind of like him as an outside backer right now, but he's, he's starting to fill into his frame. And if he can fully fill into his frame, I think he's going to be a monster of a defensive lineman at the next level. He's kind of a low floor, low floor, high ceiling type kid, um, but he's a really good kid. And, you know, I, I'm excited to see what he can do with his future. And then uh, George Fitzpatrick, the offensive tackle, still pretty raw right now, but uh, he's a kid that I think will be a beast uh, come his senior year. All right. Where are you headed this Say that one more time. Where are you headed this week? Uh, uh, tonight, as we're recording on Thursday, going out to Burleson to see Everman and Burleson. Uh, going to go catch Juan Davis. Um, the commit that I think a lot of fans forget about in the 2021 class, but Juan Davis has definitely been putting up some big numbers this year. I'm going to get out and see what, uh, see what he can do tonight. 
And then uh, on Friday night, going out to uh, Fort Worth to see Nolan Catholic and Parish Episcopal. Um, tons of targets in that game, but I'm really looking at Austin Uke, like you said, uh, at offensive tackle. Uh, you know, he's a kid that's really blowing up in the 2021 class, and I think Texas could get involved for for, for sure. Uh, and then Saturday, obviously heading out to Terrence Cook's uh, commitment in Manville uh, around 3 p.m. And then uh, later that night, uh, checking out Cy Ranch and Cy Park. I'm, I'm mainly there to see Harold Perkins for Cy Park. He's been balling on both sides, uh, both sides of the ball this year for them. Um, so I'm excited to see what he he can do. And he recently just gained a five-star status uh, on 24-7 as well. Um, and then on Cy Ranch, there's a safety, Romario Noel. A Baylor commit that a kid, a kid I've been wanting to see as well. So, And Cy Ranch has also got some uh, pretty good 2023s I'm excited to see. So uh, that's my lineup for this week. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's interesting. You're coming to Burleson. You'll be about five minutes down the road from my house. And um, I will be uh, I will be elsewhere. So uh, I, I'm trying to think if there's somewhere I could direct you to eat. Um, there are places I can. Well, well, we'll talk about that after the show. I've got places for you to eat if you're if you need to, to grab a bite in town. Um, last week, I uh, on Friday night went out to go see DeSoto and Cedar Hill Thursday night. My game was canceled. I didn't find that out until I pulled into the parking lot at the stadium. But um, as such as 2020, um, that's kind of the way it goes. So uh, Friday night, I saw Cedar Hill and DeSoto. Like I said, one of my favorite games in every high school year. I mean, no matter who's on each side, usually both sides are pretty talented, but uh, I just, it's just one of my favorite games every year. So uh, the intensity around that game, it, it didn't even let up with COVID. I mean, I bet it would have been more intense with a bigger crowd, but it, it was still pretty, pretty crazy there. And, uh, you know, I think Cedar Hill went into that game very much uh, the underdog to a, a really talented DeSoto team. And I thought Cedar Hill kind of pushed them around. Uh, Shamar Turner was good. He, he was doubled a lot. Didn't, didn't see a lot of action his way. Uh, but they they kind of effectively neutralized him. Uh, the guy that stood out for me on offense uh, for DeSoto was Jonte Cook, the 23 Texas receiver offer. Um, he, he's just such a phenomenal inside guy and, and really a natural receiver. And then on defense, they've got a kid, Devin Bobby, who really popped out and did some great things. Um, offensively for Cedar Hill, Caden Salter, the Tennessee commit, was incredible. He's just that, – that's one of my favorite kids in the, in the state to watch play. He just always – he's got a moxie, like a, a confidence about him that he never really feels like game. And I think going into that game, you know, there was – like I said, they were pretty uh, pretty much the underdog to a team. And um, you couldn't tell Caden that he he didn't play like he thought he was the underdog. So uh, I think that, that that's going to be – a really fun district. So it, it really shakes out now to Cedar Hill will play uh, Duckettville on Friday night for the district championship. And uh, that's going to be a fun one as well. So I, I wouldn't count the Cedar Hill team out of anything at this point uh, this week. So Thursday night, tonight, uh, not a lot of options. I'm going to see Lancaster against RL Turner in what should be a beating of epic proportions. Uh, Lancaster has been doing it to everybody on the schedule. And I'm not sure RL Turner scored uh, many points this year. Uh, and then Friday night, uh, tomorrow night, I'm going to a playoff action, Nick. Uh, the 4A and Belows are starting playoff football. And I will be at Kennedale versus Brownwood to go see Texas commit J.D. Coffee in action. So uh, that'll be um, our slate for this week. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of The State of Recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. 
Nick, do you have our games for um, for uh, the pick'em? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got five pretty good ones. Um, just a six A is starting to get really deep into district competition, and then obviously one A through four A are starting playoffs now. But uh, we're going to start off with probably the game of the week: Cedar Hill and Duncanville. You just kind of mentioned it earlier. Uh, Cedar Hill beat Desoto so that they could play in this district championship, this district of doom championship. Uh, so who do you have in this one? It's so funny because, like, going into that Cedar Hill-DeSoto game, you see those two teams play every year. So you can kind of say year to year, I know what they lost from last year and compare them. But remember that it hasn't been in district with these schools for the last couple of years. Duncanville was that school beating up on DISD teams the last two years. So um, it's hard to say. I haven't seen a direct comparison. I think that Duncanville on paper is the, is the favorite, um, obviously. But like I said – the way Caden Salter plays, um, you know, you can never really see her hill out. He's an exceptional quarterback uh, that really excels. So um, I do like Cedar Hill uh, probably better than most in this matchup, but I'm going to still go with the safe pick in Duncanville. I respect it. Um, you know, I always said that I thought DeSoto could beat Duncanville this year. Uh, I really thought DeSoto was probably the best team in DFW. And then I was shocked to find out that Cedar Hill uh, beat them last week and pretty much controlled the game from what I understand. Um, so I'm rolling, I'm rolling with the uh, Longhorns here. Turn them horns loose. I think, they, uh, I think they get them a little district title here against uh, some pretty good competition. And before we move on, do you, do you – uh, I know we did it like two weeks ago. Do you have our standings? Yeah, you're up by five games right now. Okay, so I got a five-game lead on you. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, we got we got some weeks. You know, I can probably catch up. You know, don't count me out just yet. All you gotta do is make up like pretty much one game a week, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, the second game uh, we have uh, Ditton Geyer and Allen. Uh, obviously, the head coach at Geyer now, Rodney Webb, has some history with Allen in the past couple of years, and uh, this would probably be for a de facto district title. And I haven't believe I don't believe that Allen has lost a district title since 2003 i believe so uh who do you have in this one i think against Allen earlier this year and i regretted it i think i picked a tascacita in that game and i think that was a game that Allen beat zita like they owed him money um i Allen has not lost at home ever the guyer certainly has the talent to do it Shout out to my guy, Deuce Harmon, who is having a tremendous senior season. But I'm going to roll with Allen staying undefeated at home here. You know, I've always had the – I've had a lot of picks in recent years where I've taken, um, you know, the team playing Allen at Allen's home. But I think this is the one that pulls it off. I'm going to take Geyer. Um, you know, I think they have a, a lot of senior leadership. And, um, you know, I kind of said to myself when realignment happened, I was like, you know, Denton Geyer is going to win that district next year. And I haven't seen anything this year that um, leads me to not believe that. So uh, I'm going to take the Wildcats here in an upset. We're then, either uh, going to have separation this week or, I mean, one way or another, this the, the standings are going to flip. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> Uh, either either you pull into a big lead or, or, or I'm going to run it up on you, basically. You know, I might just flip uh, every single one of your picks this week. I might just pick the other team. That might be what I do. <laughs> Colleyville Heritage and Mansfield Summit. Who do you have in that one? Um, Boy, I don't know much about either of these teams. Uh, they're teams I haven't been able to see a lot. So I know guys that play for those teams. 
Um, like I know some of the individual talent at Summit, including New Auburn commit, Hal Presley and Jacoby Jackson and guys like that. Um, I did talk to somebody last week who told me they thought Colleyville Heritage was one of the more underrated teams in the the DFW area. I'm going to go based off the strength of that person and just pick Colleyville Heritage. Yeah, Colleyville Heritage, they're undefeated on the season so far. I'm going to go with them as well. Um, there's just little inconsistencies that I've seen with Summit's offense um, so far this year that, you know, worries me in a game like this. So I'm going to take Heritage as well. Uh, game four, we have uh, Richmond, Foster, and Manville. This is kind of a banger down in the southern Houston area or, or kind of the southwestern portion of Houston. So uh, who do you have in this one? I'm a noted pick against Richmond Foster guy. Um, I think I did it last <laughs> year in the playoffs, um, much to my chagrin, because uh, that was when I went out way on a limb and thought New Caney was going to make a run in the playoffs and uh, Foster beat him in the first round. However, I will not be deterred. Um, I Manville. I like Manville talent. Yeah, I'm going to take Manville as well. They just have a bunch of talent this year. Uh, a lot of junior talent, too. You know, this is a team that's going to return a lot of starters next year. Uh, so this is a team to keep an eye on um, for a couple of years moving forward. I think they're going to kind of take over, uh, you know, Shadow Creek's dominance in that little area before it's over with. I'm going to take Manville as well. Um, and then our fifth game mm. of the week, uh, Nolan Catholic and Parish Episcopal. Um, these are two really good uh, TAPS teams. They're playing for a district title tonight. They're both undefeated, or on Friday night, uh, rather. Um, this is going to be a pretty good one here in Dallas. Who do you got? This one to me is like the, the matchup of the week. Um, so many, so many different matchups in this game. You've got the, uh, I would say uh, Parrish's offensive line is probably one of the better offensive lines at the taps level. I can't call it the best because all saints has Tommy and James Brockermeyer on their line, but Parrish has a really, really strong offensive line. Um, so they've got that. Nolan's got a really good defensive line. I think that, um, you know, Nolan's got uh, some really good running backs. Uh, Parrish has, has some really good defenders. Where it comes down to me is the the matchup at quarterback. Um, and when you look at Preston Stone being under center, he's a guy that I think could take over and win a game on his own. Uh, I'm going to go Preston Stone, and I'm going to go Parrish Episcopal. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you here. Uh, Parrish obviously has been pretty dominant in those TAPS ranks. Um since Preston Stone has been the man there. And uh, they seem to be putting a lot of talent around him this year on both sides of the ball. So um, I'm going to go with Parrish as well. And I think they're well on their way to a, uh, another state championship in their conference in TAPS. All right. Do we have a small school game? We don't. You know, I was looking through them. Uh, and it's uh, playoffs are starting for 1A through 4A, but it's a lot of mismatches. So I wasn't able to find a small school game of the week. So I just went ahead and went with a private school game of the week. All right, that works for me. Um, all right, let's move on to our mailbag. Nick, thanks for that. We will check in on this on the uh, the standings next week and see how we did. I think that uh, we, we've got some big wagers in store here. Um, the mailbag, as always, you can find that on our Horse 24-7 message board when we release it, um, and uh, you can add your questions there. You can also send your questions to uh, with a five-star review on our iTunes page. Just uh, search Horns 24-7, and you'll find our network there. If you submit that five-star review, we will answer any question uh, on the show. All right, our first question comes to us uh, from – give me one second. Something is blocking my screen. 
Okay. The first question comes board from uh, Earl Thomas 12. If Texas wins out, could they get back in it with Quinn Ewers or would it take a new coaching staff? Um, I think that uh, when you look at it, so when we haven't really had a podcast since Quinn de- decommitted, I mean, it just felt weird timing. And we did run the podcast I did with Blair and Gulo on the Horn- on the 24-7 recruiting podcast. and talk- talked about that. But if you look at it, I don't know that um, I'm not sure it is attainable right now to get back in it with Quinn Ewers. When he decommitted, he mentioned having a decision very soon. Um, it doesn't surprise me, uh, just considering that uh, based on what we were hearing around the time of his decommitment, um, that uh, you know he was looking at other schools, talking to other schools heavily. I think he's already made a decision. Um, and so maybe a new coaching staff would do it, but I'm not sure Texas is going to be able to get back into it with him right now. Yeah, I agree. I think there was um, a, a lot of factors that played into his decommitment. Um, and I feel like uh, one of those factors was that, you know, another school is just much more appealing right now. Um, so uh, I, can't, I couldn't give a firm answer on here, but it would probably be negative if I had to. All right. Um, our mission comes to us from Hook'em777. Uh, what will it take for Texas to regain momentum on the recruiting trail? Big 12 championship, multiple Big 12 championship game appearances, college football playoffs, a new head coach. Just seems like Herman's vision he's been selling isn't working anymore, as it shouldn't after performances on the um, – it starts with winning. I, 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 I know I sound like a broken record when I say that, but it, it, winning really is, is what matters at this point. Um, winning the Big 12 championship this year would be a good start. Winning it next year and getting into the playoff would be a, a better building block. I think the biggest thing is when Texas seems to take a step forward, they they seem to take two steps back. And that's kind of what's been plaguing that momentum. And it, I think if you look at it every year, they've been able to build that next class early and then they have setbacks. So remember last year, you know, this class, they had Jalen Milrow and Billy Bowman and all those guys in the class early and then struggled out the gates. And then all of a sudden you're, you're defending your own turf and, you know, trying to fight for your own commits instead of out recruiting new guys. So I think it's winning and continuing to win. That's that's what it takes. It may be a new head coach, maybe not. I don't know how that's ultimately going to play off, but winning is, is what matters most at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely. The, the wins on the field will get you the wins in the recruiting trail. We've been saying that a, a ton. Um, a Big 12 championship this year, I think they could really spin that in a way to, uh, you know, where it really looks good for this 2022 class. I think they could end up landing a, a pretty good amount of recruits if they were able to, you know, rattle off a Big 12 championship run and then get in a, a New Year's Six Bowl game and um, pull off a win there. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of positivity that could happen on the recruiting trail uh, if those two things were to happen. Next question from the iTunes feed, a five-star review from Horns3030. Great podcast. Just curious if there are any recruits Texas is looking at from Arizona. We've had success there in recent years with Jake Smith and Bijan Robinson, and I'm wondering if there are any promising prospects from there. Thanks. Uh, yeah, Texas did actually look at a lot of guys from Arizona. They just weren't really able to land any of them this year. Um, I think that they, you know, uh, a lot of that was those guys couldn't visit, and um, they had visited other places, but uh, Texas was close on a guy like Jonah Miller, who ended up at Oregon, and uh, Mark Spurk ended up uh, committing to Ohio State. So it uh, looks like they struck out in Arizona so far this year. I don't know if there are any guys who are having great seasons out there. We could probably ask our guy Blair Angulo about that. But um, as of right now, nobody out in Arizona uh, on the board. 
it looks like the quote-unquote Arizona of this cycle ended up being Colorado with uh, Gunnar Helm committing and um, them getting in on Arden Walker as well. So, uh, and there's a couple of offers out in 2022 in Colorado as well. So, you know, that's probably another state out west to keep an eye on. Yeah, watching Texas kind of expand their coverage there has been, uh, you know, they, they've they've really been expanding out west, I think, uh, you know, wherever you go, um, be it Colorado, be it Arizona, be it California. There are talented players everywhere. It's just about finding them and seeing if you can get them. Um, all right, our next question from Jay Gar. Would any chance uh, Texas can get back in with Clayton Smith at any point based on how the defense continues to perform? I don't believe so. I think Clayton's pretty locked into Oklahoma. Um you know, that's a kid that made a decision and hasn't really wavered since he made that decision. He's been a huge part of, of the Oklahoma class and is set as a enrollee from what I know. So um, I think that uh, that ship has certainly sailed. Yeah, to just kind of speak on from what I know, he was uh, actually active in Oklahoma's recruitment of Damian Collins, um, the five-star power forward out of uh, Atlanta, Texas. Um, they're really close friends up in that Texarkana area. So uh, he's actively recruiting on um, for multiple sports for the Sooners right now. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that one is, is certainly passed uh, from also from Jay Garwood. Generally speaking, would recruits react more positively to Texas making it to the Big 12 championship and Herman being retained or Texas hiring a coach not named Urban Meyer? It's a really good question. Um. I think if they made it to the Big 12 championship, and I'm going to say making it's not enough, winning a Big 12 championship and Herman being retained would, I, I think, would probably generate more excitement than Texas hiring a coach not named Urban Meyer, depending on who the coach is. I mean, not that I say Nick Saban is an option, but you say not named Urban Meyer. Well, if they hired Nick Saban, that's a different question. But I think if you're saying a, a lower than Urban Meyer option, um, I would say probably Texas winning the Big 12 championship and Tom Herman being retained would, would generate more. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think the the pitch that Texas football has been giving to recruits for you know quite a bit of time now is you know what they're going to put on the field, what the offense is going to look like, what the defense is going to look like. And if they're able to actually get a product out of that this year and that being a Big 12 championship – I think it would look a lot better than, you know, a new coach coming in, um, not named Urban Meyer, of course, and then giving them that same pitch. Like, you know, this is what our offense is going to look like. You know, I think product uh, definitely over overtakes that any day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, from Den 12, what went wrong in Landon Watson's recruitment? He seems like a guy that could be in the class. Um, I know the name. I know this is a name people haven't heard in years I just don't think Landon Watson is a fit for Texas. He He's not, um, you know, I had never seen Landon in person. Nick, you and I went out to that O-line, D-line thing that Mike West put on in Houston over the summer. That was the first time I'd ever seen Landon Watson in person. And I think he's a really good player and a really good defender. And I think TCU is going to figure out a way to utilize him because they usually do. But he is not a fit for a traditional defensive end. I would say he's probably only 6'1 or 6'2 at this point. And, and not long enough for what really Texas really wants on that edge, uh, the edge prospect. So I just don't think he was a fit for them uh, schematically. Yeah, I think he's going to end up being more of an outside backer at the next level at, at TCU. Um, you know, and I think that's a, that's a good fit for him. Um, I've been a, affiliated with that Hutto program for a couple of years now, so I've seen Landon a ton. Um, you know, he was a kid that Texas never really showed a lot of interest in. And, uh, you know, they prioritized some of these guys like Jordan and uh, Derek and Jatavian early. So 
um, those are the guys that they're looking at for sure. From Salado Horn, uh, are there any receivers out there, high school or JUCO, that can take the top off of a defense uh, that Texas can get at this? There are no receivers fear into defenses and uh, to run yours just off. It's they need burners. Um, I think JJ Henry is is a guy that can really make a big play. I don't know if he's exactly what you're looking for, but I think he can play a little bit of inside, a little bit of outside. He's probably the guy that stands out most to me. I need to see more of this Keith Ron Lee kid to give you a better idea of what I think his skill set's capable of. He had some big time plays on his film. So um, I guess those would be the two guys I would mention. Yeah, I'll go ahead and flat out say Keith Ron Lee for sure. Um, I'd probably put him even over JJ Henry in that conversation. Uh, he's definitely a big play threat. Um, and JJ Henry is of course another kid in that conversation. JJ Henry's offense has been, a little bit more stagnant at McKinney North this year than it was last year. Uh, he had a quarterback last year that was really able to get the ball to him. And kind of the system at McKinney North this year has not played into J.J.'s favor. But when he touches the ball, he's almost always picking up 20 or 30 yards or, you know, breaking off for a touchdown. So uh, he's definitely a big play threat, and I think he can be that at the next level too. All right. From Idaho Horn, uh, do you guys feel like 2021 took on the complexion of a transition class early on? because of the replacement of so many of the coaches or relationships mishandled and never fully developed with recruits. I think it was a perfect storm of, um, you know, uh, new coaches, um, a pandemic that didn't allow them to visit and become familiar with those coaches that, that hurt them more than anything. Um, I think early on, they kind of did a, a good job of, of, mitigating that but it eventually caught up to them and then losing out of the gate I mean and just looking like the same old team that's really what hurt them um sure there is a degree of relationships never fully developing I think you know what's interesting is I was thinking about this the other day when I went to Duncanville quite a bit last year if you saw Texas coaches out there you would usually see Tim Beck who was out there recruiting Jaquindon Jackson or you would see Craig Niver who was out there recruiting Chris Thompson uh, those guys would handle the majority of the recruiting and had the relationship to those schools. Those guys are no longer there. I never really saw her hand at Duncanville. So now you've got Savion Bird, a big priority. And, and you know, his, his the guys he saw most often were Tim Beck and Craig Niver. I just think that there's a lot of cases like that where the old coach has moved on um, and maybe those those handoffs were, were fumbled or, or just not picked up and not, you know, really, and it, it, they were limited with what they could do with the pandemic. But um, I, I still think at this point, you know, there's, there's just some, some hurdles they had. And, and for a guy like Herb Hand, um, you know, there, there are some things that are inexcusable on this offensive line uh, that have happened this year. But, um, you know, I think that that probably paints the picture best is just um, a lot of the guys who are the best recruiters on the staff aren't here anymore. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Um, just something to kind of keep an eye on. This could also end up being an issue for the class of 2022. It was just announced yesterday that the recruiting dead period is going to extend all the way out to April 15th. So now we're, you know, planning for six months in advance and there's still no, not going to be any visits until then. So the class of 20, 2022 is going to be well, uh, you know, into the thick of things by then. Uh, and the class of 2021 will be well signed by then. Uh, I think there was, uh, quite a few recruits I know, at least in the state of Texas, that were, you know, holding out just for some possibility of visits in January. Um, but now that's obviously not going to happen. Um, so that's definitely something to keep an eye on, too. They're going to have to figure out how to do this, uh, you know, virtual recruiting effort that they've, you know, been able to give in 2021. Uh, maybe just step it up a little bit. 
All right. Um, and our last question from Grok 0608. Uh, the past two to three games, Texas linebacker play has been terrific. What linebacker recruits are we after going forward? Um, this thing doesn't really change on a game-to-game basis. I mean, the board is the board. And I don't think recruits watch the games as closely as, as fans do. So I don't know that there's any recruits out there like linebackers who were previously like, well, I don't like the way Texas linebackers played, and now saying, well, they've been really good the last two to three games. It's just not – they don't look at things on such a um, on such a micro level. So um, the, the guys are who they are. They've got Maurice Blackwell in the class. They've got uh, Derek Harris in the class. Um, and Terrence Cooks is making his decision this weekend. I think if they get Terrence Cooks, they're probably done at linebacker in 2021. Yeah, and then probably looking forward to 2022, just a couple of linebackers that they're going after pretty early. Um, Harold Perkins, of course, out of Side Park. Sebastian Cheeks, uh, that's definitely a uh, out-of-state prospect to keep an eye on. Um, and, you know, there's quite a few uh, linebackers emerging in the 2022 class that, you know, I am liking and that I think the uh, Texas staff is definitely going to get involved with as well. So um, 2022 has definitely got some linebackers as well to keep an eye on. Yeah, when you look at they just recently offered Travell Johnson as well from Arlington Martin. So, um, you know, I think Coleman Hutzler has been pretty good about evaluating and, and finding guys and offering them and recruiting them, I would say, probably better than Todd Orlando was in his spot. So um, I, I actually – feel, um, I would say, optimistic towards the future of linebacker uh, at this point. All right, that's going to do it for the mailbag. As always, we thank you guys for your involvement and your participation. Nick, before we get out of here, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, nothing really. Just um, getting down to this grind of football season. It's going to be weird because it's starting to process that we're going to have state champions, state championships all the way up until mid-January. So I'm just going to have to mentally prepare for that. It's going to be a little weird. And we could have state championships like rescheduled down the line and uh, a random like Saturday with one. It's going to be odd. Uh, you know, COVID is hitting again. It's uh, the numbers are going way up. Uh, we've dealt with it in my own home this week, had to get tested. And, um, you know, the testing sites are few and far between here. I think we waited in two hours in line to get to get one the other day. So, um you know, I think I would just say that prepare for, for chaos when it comes to the playoffs. I think there's already been some bi-district games canceled or forfeited. Um, and I think that that's just a sign of things to come. So prepare for chaos there. Uh, all right. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. We appreciate everybody for listening, playing along at home. Uh, we appreciate you guys who miss us when we are gone. Uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach, and we will see you guys next week. Mm-hmm.